0: Oh, yes. Welcome to episode 58 of the Best Thing Podcast. I'm Antonio Neves, and we have a poignant conversation coming up with Kevin Carroll, who is an acclaimed author, speaker, coach, and so much more. A person who has lived a phenomenal, fascinating life, is living a phenomenal, fascinating life. And he shares something about how he made a bold decision in a place where normally you are not allowed to make bold decisions that changed the course of his life. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Stop Living on Autopilot, my book, is on fire. If you don't believe me, just go to Amazon and you can see all of the amazing reviews that are coming in. If you bought the book already, thank you. I appreciate you. If you have not bought the book yet, Right now is your opportunity to do so. Just go to the show notes. You can buy the book there. If you want to give the book a test run first, you can also go to the show notes and download the introduction and chapter one for free. I guarantee you, you are going to love this book. And hey, I want to hear from you. Send me a text message. If you're in the United States, you can text me at 310-564-7124. I send out motivational text messages every single week. It doesn't cost you anything, but it will inspire you. So I'm going to warn you these text messages can change your day. They can change your week. They can change your month. So send me a text message at 310 564 7124. Okay. Without further ado, let's get to episode 58 of the Best Thing podcast with Kevin Carroll. Welcome to The Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Nevs. Welcome to The Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot, a speaker, and a success coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Now, this week's guest is someone I first came across from a previous guest on this podcast, the amazing Yogi Roth. And over the past few years, and specifically the past year, his name, it just keeps popping up everywhere I look. So I'm so glad I get the opportunity to interview him. Kevin Carroll is an acclaimed speaker and the author of Rules of the Red Rubber Ball that has sold over, get this, 300,000 copies. His fascinating life has taken him from serving in the Air Force to working in the NBA as a head trainer with the Philadelphia 76ers to working with global brand Nike and so much more. During normal times, Kevin travels the globe consulting and speaking about the role value and importance of play in life. Now, since 2004, more than 350,000 people from 200 plus corporations, 150 plus nonprofit organizations, and dozens upon dozens of schools around the world have been inspired by Kevin's dynamic presentations. Kevin Carroll, welcome to the best thing. Yes,
1: yes. Antonio, let's go. Let's go. Oh let's my! go. Our, our warm-up conversation, if folks could have been a fly on the wall, they'd be like, wow, these two. That's the cutting, the cutting room floor stuff might be even better than our session, but let's it's see. It's always
0: the best. I should have hit record because I'm all fired up right now. And I have to start with this question. And you're not wearing the hat right now, but as I was digging in doing my research, I always see you wearing a hat. And the hat has a question mark on it, and an exclamation point. And I was watching all these interviews, different things you'd done. I was waiting for somebody to ask you about it, and I didn't get the answer. So can you tell me about this hat that I'll, I'll post a, a photo of that in the show notes with the question mark and the exclamation mark and what it means?
1: So that's the interrobang. It's an actual grammatical symbol. Typically, it's connected, but I have a disjointed or disconnected interrobang. A friend of mine noticed that I used it in my correspondence quite often. And it represents, and you're going to love this, the question mark, curiosity, the exclamation mark, bang, energy. And he literally said to me, you are human in tarot, bang. You always showing up with curiosity and you always bring that heat, that energy. So he said, I'm going to make you some hats. He was a designer at Nike. So he actually got some blank hats and had it stitched on and sent it to me. He said, that's your symbol, right? He said, that's you. And so I said, that's dope. I'm going to keep some of these. He said, now you should sell them. I said, no, I don't want anybody just wearing my hat. They might be doing the perp walk or something and got my logo on there. No, I said, I'm going to be real discerning about it. But that's what it represents is curiosity and excitement or energy about all things that I'm invested in. And so receiving that hat, when I do gift it to people, they know that you're part of Team Interobang then, right? So that's what that is, the Interobang,
0: curiosity and excitement. I like that curiosity, excitement and energy, and if anyone happens to like watch any of your talks and different material that's available online, like like I've done over the course of the past couple of weeks, it's pretty much impossible to not walk away fired up, not to walk away inspired. You're that rare person, I can say that you can do that through multiple mediums, and it's very rare that someone can do it through video the way you definitely penetrated me and, and got me fired up. And the, and the question I, I have to ask right now is, in the bio, I mentioned you working. For the Philadelphia 76ers. We mentioned your background in the Air Force. We mentioned where you're working with Nike, but we can go on and on with your work with Starbucks, Target, et cetera. A lot of people would say like, how does one work and go from the Air Force to major organizations to the NBA? Kevin, what is the consistent thread in all that you do that you've brought to your work? I'd say curiosity.
1: It's absolutely that. I have a, I've always had a curious spirit from my childhood And it was out of necessity, I think, that in order for me to be able to navigate all the upheaval and uncertainty that I was dealing with in my childhood, curiosity was going to be the thing that would help me to basically problem solve, to find ways to navigate, find ways to rise above, find ways to not allow my circumstances to dictate my destiny, finding ways to not be a pessimist, be an optimist. So curiosity is at the root of all that. And I learned how to ask questions, how to research things, how to look up stuff. And I was a voracious reader as a kid. And I continue to be a lover of books and reading and everything. But I say curiosity is at the root of all of that. One of the things I always talk about is, you know, I always had a question or I always had something I would want to ask you, right? I was always curious about someone else's story. And that always informed me like, oh, how did you do that? And then, you know, it would open up another question or maybe another question. And never in a way where I was being intrusive, I was genuinely curious about like, well, tell me how you did that. And then what I would do is collect that, curate that, store it away and have it in my head. And then maybe in the midst of something going on, wait, what was that thing that Antonio said? That- oh, yeah, that could apply right now. I was my own Google search, right, before it was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. And now I actually set up Google alerts. So Google searches for me daily. I get a daily digest from Google every morning on the things I'm interested in, and I update it accordingly. And so that's one of the things I always tell people. Curiosity is right at your fingertips. All you have to do is let Google do the work for you. They literally will do a daily digest and curate on your behalf the things you're interested in. So there's no excuse. Everybody could be curious.
0: Yeah. Listen, those Google alerts, that's my jam. I get those every single day. I forgot the day I realized, you know, you can search for more stuff than your name, right, Antonio? (laughs) 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 It's like, what? Mind blown, right?
1: That was like your major hack right there, right?
0: It was a major hack, but I love you talk about, you know, your curiosity. I mean, it's very much, you know, I'm a journalist, you know, by trade and by education. And it's been natural for me my whole life. And I can see how you your general curiosity about people learning their other stories how that can benefit us and i just wish more people would have that curiosity to learn more about other people's stories because of course that helps us in our journey you briefly mentioned your childhood and learning about you you know i learned about your parents who who struggled with addiction and you went to live with your your grandparents but there's something that was mentioned on your website that really jumped out to me and you talked about how you went to transform your journey from abandonment dysfunction and uncertainty to success and a lifelong pursuit of significance. What really captured my attention in that sentence was pursuit of significance. Could you talk a little about that? So I think, you know, success
1: is attainable. Significance is that thing that makes you stretch because significance is about your legacy. It's about the real impact that you've had. We can have, look, we can get our own shine on and have all the success we want, but truly the measure of you is... How will your absence be felt once you're gone? How will your absence be felt? And so I think that's what a lot of people don't think about. They think about success, getting mine, blah, 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 right? And I'm thinking about how will my absence be felt when I'm gone? That's significance to me. And so I'm pursuing that, right? That's my chase daily because that's the collection of all your works and deeds and acts. It's not a single moment. It's not a single triumph. It's not some single accolade. It's not any of that. It's so much more. It's you stacking all these wins, right? These micro wins, as my one buddy says, right? These micro wins, you keep stacking those and you look in totality at all the effort and effect you've had. And so that's how I view significance, right? How will my absence be felt? How will I be looked
0: upon once I'm gone? I love that. How will your absence be felt? It also makes me think about. I guess the converse of that is, when you show up, do things get better or do they get worse? Yes. Right. We know those people that show up, you get fired up. You're so glad they're there, and you know other people that show up to the party, and you're like, "All right, y'all, I gotta go." As soon as
1: they come in, you know it. Nothing good is fixing to happen. You already know it's off the rails if you see them. Like, um, let me let do that walkthrough. Make sure everybody see you, and right on
0: out. And you're out, you know, without even knowing you, I already know that we have something in common. And what we have in common is that we know when to leave. Like I know throughout my life based on we have some similar experiences, by the way, upbringing wise. But I know when to cross the street. I know when to leave a certain area or a party or gathering. And some people don't have that skill set. No, that's that radar. That's that radar. Right. You have that whatever you want to call
1: it. But like, yeah, you up to something. Let me just slide on over here. Oh, no, I could tell you. Yeah. you you finna do some dirt. Let me slide on over here. Like you just get a sense, right? Because you get your spidey sense goes up, right? You get a sense for things. And it's not easy to explain why you have that. Maybe you've been around a lot of things. I've been around enough things to know when something's going to jump off. Like I can tell. And I've probably avoided a gazillion situations just by paying attention to my intuition, where a lot of people will ignore it. And there are, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm like, it's fitting to, it's getting ready to happen to you. What's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> Stay here five more minutes and you will find and you, out. You and then, you will wait, find how many out. times when you were growing up, Antonio, that you heard the next day, yo, man, you missed it.
0: Such and such happened. My whole life story. My whole life story. It's even, I think about times, especially when I lived in New York City for 12 years, and you know, there's a lot of panhandlers, different things going on. They would be going down the line, talking to people. They'd make eye contact with me for half a second. Then they'd keep going. It's like they knew. They like, know. They know. Like, you. no, you.
1: I can't even approach you.
0: You're not hearing it. You're not feeling it. You're That's not the one. I'm not, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. <laughs> but briefly, before I start laughing too hard, talking about significance, and you said something beautiful, it's that thing that makes you stretch. So, Kevin, what is the difference in your book between the significance and validation? And I'll say this from a perspective of in my early television days when I moved to New York City to break into the business, I was seeking validation, being on camera. People could point at me. I wasn't seeking significance at all. So how do you distinguish between significance and validation? I think we always struggle, especially as a black
1: man and black folks with validation, wanting to be seen, right? And being really seen in all caps, And so we're always trying to get folks to see us, to see our gifts, our talents, our magic, if you will. Once I grew up, like truly grew up into who I am as a much more evolved adult and understanding myself and understanding me better, I got past that. When I understood, Antonio, that I'm not for everybody and I'm okay with it, that changed everything for me. You want to talk about the cheat code, the life hack, the the game changer? That was it for me. It took a while, though, because we deal with so many hidden foes as children, as children of color, black boys and girls, right? And so we have these foes we battle with every day, our self-esteem, self-confidence, belief that we have something to offer, all these things, right, that we can be heard. It's a generational thing. But as I grew into myself and being comfortable in my own skin and starting to recognize that I had something different and being pointed out by other people, validated that way and people that I cared about and wanted them to validate me versus, oh, I need you and you and you. No, I started realizing all I need is you to tell me. All I need is you to tell me. Oh, okay, I'm good. And starting to own it. And when I started owning my brilliance, owning my gifts, owning my talents, and showing up truly me they use that word authenticity but that doesn't happen until you can really use your voice and your presence in a way that you are so comfortable as miss lane would say my best friend's mom she said you know the language of the world where you are comfortable and confident in any setting when miss lane said that's what you're chasing that's what you're striving for is to master that the language of the world where you are comfortable and confident in any setting and when I got to that place, which took a while and a lot of experiences and a lot of moments where I was maybe a disappointed or whatever, but I learned from it. And I said, I'm good. I don't have to please everyone because I know I'm good. And so if you don't see me, I'm going to keep it moving because I know that one might see me. And so getting comfortable in my own skin and having that confidence and belief that no matter what setting I'm in, that I can show up as me. and If you ain't feeling me, it's all good because you know what? I know that others do, but it takes time. And I think it takes effort and we have to be willing to put the work in.
0: Yeah. I mean, one for so many of us, I speak for myself. That's such a journey. Just hearing you say, I'm not for everybody and that's okay. I hear that. And that's freeing in so many different ways. And I'm sure somebody listening to this, that's freeing for them as well as a reminder to be empowered, to be who they are. Before we get to this question of the best thing, I could interview you for 32 hours because I have so many questions. Just the guy in me who's just curious about others and their path and the different chapters of your life I'm fascinated by. We'll do another podcast. A question I want to ask next that jumps out to me is I heard you mention in your talk that someone over the course of your life has been like the chief encouragement officer or the role of that the chief encouragement officer can play in people's lives. So this, I'm going to go a different direction in this question probably than you expect. I can already tell that you are an encourager to others. You have encouraged me without me even knowing you. Uh, as a person that, that's, that's a coach that encourages others as well, the question I always like to ask folks is, who encourages the encourager? So can you talk a little bit about, even these days over the course of what has been a challenging year, people like us, who, whose livelihoods were we were used to getting on planes a lot and engaging with people face-to-face. I mean, it's, it's frankly, I love that. It gives me energy. I think the way you love it as well. Yes, we can do talks virtually. It's a, it's a little bit different. So who has encouraged you during what's been a challenging period for so many? So I
1: I say this and it's pretty funny. People will be like, what? The kids in my neighborhood and my godson in New York. So my godson in New York is seven. A couple of my neighbor kids are 12 and under. And for whatever reason, even predating the pandemic, we were connecting, just vibing. Because we bump into each other. They might be out there. Um, Olivia shooting baskets. I've seen her since she was an infant when her parents carried her home, right? She's 12 now. We've lived in our neighborhood 14 years in Portland. So I've watched this little girl grow up and I watched her when she, you know, starting to shoot on this hoop and couldn't reach. And now she got handles and she's out there hitting jumpers. And I'm just watching and marveling at her, you know, super shy, get a little like, you know, wave from her and stuff. And now she's inviting me to her games. So she encourages me because, I'm watching her growth and it makes me go, okay, well, am I modeling for her what she needs to see? And then E, my, my other friend, right? We've been having conversations from the porch and sidewalk for three years since he was three, He's six now, actually just turned seven. And so four years now, we've been having conversations from his porch and just talking about life and whatever. And then he would be compelled to get his dad or mom to bring him by the house, knock on my door, or sometimes open my mail, so like Kevin. Kevin, are you in there? Yes, I have something to show you. And I'll come, or my wife, one of your little friends is at the door. And I'll go to the door, he says, and he will literally say, come look at this. And I'll go with him and his mom or dad. And he says, look at this spider web. Look how the sun's hitting it. And I'll just marvel at that with him. That just makes me just beam inside his curiosity. And then my godson and I have been doing art the entire pandemic together, but he leads the sessions. He's seven. Just turned eight on January 8th, had his golden birthday on January 8th. He was eight on the eighth. He did art with me. He's a fearless artist. He's unlocked my fearless nature around creativity even more so. And so I started to realize this, that if we're curious, we can learn from anyone. But if we think that it's always the mentor-mentee is the dynamic of a chronological age thing then you might be missing out on an opportunity to learn from those who are junior. So I call it reverse mentoring. I'm looking for someone junior to me to coach me up because they see things with a fresh perspective. They see things in a different way than me. They might see things with this perspective that could be novel and new. So those are three people that encourage me, Olivia E and MBG, Marco. That's what I call them, MBGs or initials. Yeah, so doing those different activities with them.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. If you're if we're curious, we can learn from anyone. As you were talking, I was I was smiling, thinking about the kids and how they connect with you. It also made me think about my son. My, my wife and I, we have four-year-old twins. And just in general, forget the pandemic, my son specifically wakes up with reckless abandonment and joy. He wakes up ready to attack the day. He never even once asked for coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it, was, just, it is. It's like because it's a new day. A new right? day. It's a it's a tabula rasa. It's a blank canvas. What can I paint on this canvas today? Why aren't we more like that as adults? Why don't we tap back into that childlike wonder, that excitement of discovering something new? That's curiosity, because it will serve you well. Because it keeps your brain agile, strong, nimble. Right. The ability, what was the word we kept hearing? Pivot, pivot, pivot. I said, I'm moving from pivot to pirouette. I'm going to pirouette now. I'm going full black swan on you, right? We're going to have all kinds of moves happening. Only way you're doing that though is with agility and nimbleness and confidence. You have to work your creative muscle, your curiosity on a regular basis. You have Google alerts. It helps keep you immersed in things you care about. It helps keep you immersed in your passions, Right. And my grandfather would say, pay attention to your intention, Mm -hmm. pay attention to your intention. So if your intention is to be plugged in and connected to X, Y or Z, what are you doing to ensure you are always connected to it? Your son, he just about what? There's a new day, which means there's new opportunities and I'm in. Right. And so he's showing up with this level of energy and wonder and excitement about what the day could potentially amount to and what it could give to him. So that's an amazing attitude to have. And that's why I say reverse mentoring is something everyone should be considering, not just looking at it like, well, I'm the sage
0: and I've got all the knowledge. And
1: no, Come on.
0: They, they could be sage like for you. Absolutely. It's funny, your work, man, as, it, as I watch you, I'm being reminded of so many things that I forgot when I listen to your talks, when I read your words, I'm reminded of so many things. I think we, we lose as a society. And what I'm hearing you say, and I think what I really try to get across the focus is to just remind ourselves that we have a say in this. At some point, we forget that we have a say in how we show up. But before we end up talking about something else for 30 more minutes, which I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind, I want to get to this question of the best thing. I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that wouldn't necessarily appear on a resume, bio, or come up in conversation. It's easy to say getting married or buying a home or graduating from college was the best thing, but I know there are other best things. So for you and your amazing career, diverse career, what's one of the best things that has happened to you that has had a, a lasting impact on your life? So it's so
1: funny. I actually brought up something with my wife. I said, you know, if this hadn't happened And all these other things, I don't meet you. And so she goes, That's true, huh? I'm like, Yeah, like that wouldn't have happened. I said, So when we like do that CSI, John Nash thing and unravel something and look all the way back to all the interconnectedness of something, I go back to 1980. So your listeners are going to go, Wait, but his voice sounds like he's younger. I tell people I'm well preserved, right? So so, so. I'm 62 years young, right? Because when you start to put together all these, Moments and accomplishments like, wait, this math is not adding up, right? So, 1980, I joined the Air Force. I go to basic training, Lackland Air Force Base. My first time ever flying on a plane, I'd never been on a plane up to that point. I'm 20 years old. So, we land there, getting yelled at in the middle of the night, which is the traditional thing they do, right? They make sure you show up so you're so off your kilter and everything. They're yelling at you, get on the line, get on the footprints, right? And we start our training. You have career day. On career day, because I had signed up for whatever I could get in the fastest because I needed to get out of Philly, not because I was in trouble or anything, but I saw what was happening to me. I was falling into a pattern. I'd already been in college, came back because my then girlfriend had my son. I was a young father at 20 years old. And I was in the neighborhood smoking weed, getting high, drinking, just hanging out, working at a toy store, selling as much as I could steal at night from there, right, to the families and everything. So I had my own little, like, side hustle, my own toy bodega going off on a side hustle. A Sunday after, like, doing dirt again and whatever, and it's in this routine, I'd only been home, like, a month. And I said, what am I doing? I was just in college in AP English courses and playing soccer in college, and this is what I'm doing? I said, I got to change this. So I literally got up the next morning, didn't tell anyone, went down to the recruiting station, told the recruiter, what job can I get to get out of Philly as fast as possible? He said, are you in trouble? I said, nope, I just need to go. I take the ASFAB test, which is the basic entry test, score super high on it, right? So now they're like, oh, we got a live one. We can get all kinds of bonuses off of this guy, right? So I said, what can I get? I need to get out of here. He says, well, you can go in and you can do security police. I said, okay, can I get a dog? Can I be like a dog patrol or something? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. You could do that. He's selling me whatever. Right. Sign the papers. I'm at basic training. Now I'm at career day and they put a film up and there's like this voiceover and it's dark. It's black, right? The screen. And this guy comes over. The, the security policeman is ever vigilant. And you hear this right. And then as it, the picture starts coming into view, it's A guy in a big parka zipped as far up as possible in these like winter boots up to his knees, trudging through snow with his weapon along the perimeter of a fence. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is my job. No. And as the security policeman is ever increasing the vigilance, I'm like, no. And I raise my hand in the middle of the briefing, which you are not supposed to do. Who was interrupting my briefing? The drill instructor yells, "Sir, Airman Carroll has a question." He says, "You can't have a question in here. What are you doing? Where are you from, Carroll?" "Sir, I'm from Philadelphia." He says, "Did you come all the way from Philadelphia just to piss me off, Carroll?" "No, sir. I have a question." He says, "What is your question?" "I saw a sign." He says, "What do you mean you saw a sign? Something mystical? What are you talking about?" "No, sir. I saw a sign downstairs." that said, we have volunteer jobs, just ask. As they were marching us into the room, I happened to glance, because you can't turn your head, out of the side of my eye, because I was being my natural state, curious, and I happened to see, it literally couldn't have been written any smaller on a blackboard. We have volunteer jobs, just ask. And I glanced and saw that, but I didn't think anything of it till that moment when I'm seeing this video, and i like, oh, no, no, no. We have volunteer jobs. I'd like to volunteer, having no idea what I was volunteering for. He's talking to now another drill instructor. They're both in my ear, yelling and screaming at me, but they're talking over top. Did you see that sign? see that sign? Did you see that sign? Where'd you see that sign? Airman, I said, it was downstairs. Well, we can't tell you no. You can go downstairs and investigate it. And I get up out of the briefing. I go downstairs. I walk. And I go down this hallway. It's like the shining hallway, right? There's one desk and there's a lady sitting there, right? He says, can I help? I said, I saw your sign. You have volunteer jobs. I'm volunteering. I could have been volunteering for anything. I just didn't want to do that. Well, we need Morse code operators and we need language translators. So in my head, I go, well, there ain't no way I'm doing the language thing. I dropped Spanish after five minutes in high school. I ain't doing that. I said, well, I'll take whatever you give me. She said, well, we're going to give you both tests. Here's your appointment card. You come back here tomorrow. I prayed so hard that night, please just let me pass one of these things, the Morse code test, because I know I can't do the language thing. Go back, take the test. Day later, I get contacted to go back. I pass both of them. So I'm figuring I'm going to get Morse code. And they said, we're sending you to Monterey to the language school. I said, well, I can't do languages. I said, no, you passed this test. You can do languages and you will do languages. And little did I know I had a gift. I had dropped Spanish after five minutes. I still remember that five minutes, Antonio. Es Susana en casa, no en la cocina. ¿Dónde they start la sala? No en la And I walked out of class. So I had it in me, but I was a knucklehead. And the military actually discovered it in me and then nurtured it. And I end up learning Serbian, Croatian, and Czech. I work at those agencies with the three initials, right? I have a top secret clearance. I'm Black Jason Bourne basically for 10 years. <laughs> In the Air Force. That set in motion all these other things. I end up getting my degree in athletic training because I'm stationed at a base that teaches the intel stuff where I'm a military intelligence, but they also have an athletic training program. And the Houston Oilers used to practice there. Wow. So I'm doing Oilers training camps in the summer for three years, getting my degree and teaching Czech at night. This black kid from Philly, who dropped Spanish after five minutes? But you talk about the best thing? If I don't do that, all these other things don't happen. But that one decision was the best thing, for sure. One of the best things in my life.
0: Okay, I have just a few questions to unpack. Now, look, you're
1: like, but wait, if people could see your face right now, uh-huh. you are gobsmacked right now. Like, oh, you're I'm like, not- what? I, I don't I'm even beautiful. know where to start to unpack this thing.
0: I'm loving it. There are, there are a few key questions I have. Again, I'm a nerd. This, I'm just fascinated. I want to dig deep. And so just a few key questions. One for the listeners, the Houston Oilers are a former NFL team that is now, in the, now Houston the, Texans. Texas. the Houston Texans. Yeah. I got to go yeah. back to that moment. They're the Titans, right? They went from Houston right. Oilers to the Titans. Yes. And so they're the Titans. They're t- Titans. I got that wrong. All of a sudden I'm thinking about Warren Moon. That's a whole other conversation. Quarterback, he was the quarterback then. So what, Stops me right now, makes me think about you being 20 years old in basic training. What gave you the audacity, the courage to stand up in that moment? Like you said, everyone knows from every movie that you've seen, even if you haven't been in real life, that you don't speak until you're spoken to. The fact that you put your hand up and didn't relent, what gave you the courage? Did your life flash before your eyes? You're going to be a stormtrooper. You're like, no way, I'm not doing this. Or was it Something else was a God speak. What was it? I think it was that's my
1: future. No, that's not. I look, I don't want to hold a weapon every day. I'm not. No, that's not me. I don't want to do that. The dog thing was what I was going to use, right? Because I didn't want to have to have a, I was, you know, I didn't have any sense in my head that. I literally would have to be handling weapons and stuff as a security policeman. It's natural that, no, I thought I'm going to be the dog patrol. That's going to be my weapon, right? So I'm, and I'm cool with dogs, but nope. And I see all this unfolding. I'm like, this is not me. No way. Uh-uh. And so for whatever reason, I truly believe was the courage because I saw that sign. In my head, I deduced they wouldn't have that up if you couldn't speak up about it. And my Nana Carol would say, speak up, a closed mouth don't get fed. She would always tell us that. Speak up, a closed mouth don't get fed. So I said, what's the worst? They're going to yell and scream at me. I've been yelling and screaming at the whole time now. So I'm used to it. That's not going to bother me. So I got to speak up. And little did I know, they hadn't seen it. But they couldn't deny me because I spoke up. Because it was written there, which means it's almost like an offer. And I saw the offer.
0: What hits me in the face about the story, three words you just said, that's my future. And as you know, so many men and women wake up every single day and they equally can see that if they keep doing what they are doing, this is going to be their future. And for me, it blows me away. My book, Stop Living on Autopilot, it talks to those men and women that could have been you. Based on societal standards, they checked off every box they were supposed to check off. The education, maybe the job, they got the 401k, they got the benefits. But they never stop to say, do I want this? Is this the direction I want to go? So they reach a certain point where even though they are successful, they are unhappy and unfulfilled because they were unwilling, unwilling to say, that's my future. I'm going to make a shift. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to speak up even if I'm embarrassed in this. And so that's what really grabs my attention out of that.
1: No, I think that's real talk. And a lot of people, I mean, you know, whenever you hit, quote unquote, this midlife crisis for some folks, right, where there's that's the realization. Right. That's when you you have this pause and you see your your life in full, you know, HD, whatever, whatever the top definition is now. Right. You're like, what? And then you've got less time on that dash. Right. There's less time on the other side of the dash. It's not as much. You've already used up quite a bit and you start to realize and you start to question. And I think that's a big part of what happens to people when they have these moments of reckoning. In many ways, it's a moment of reckoning. Like, what have I done? What have I been doing? And do I have
0: regrets? That question right there, what have I done? That, that, listen, that, that speaks to a lot of people because a lot of people are listening to this right now and they're realizing that that's my future. And I think they're being empowered right now to realize they can make a new choice today or tomorrow. This is gonna be my last question. This is, this is the nerd in me that wants to ask this question that you're gonna probably say, where is this question coming from, Antonio, to end the podcast? But I gotta ask. Tell me about what you learned from speaking different languages, because as a person that, you know, I studied abroad, lived in Spain for a while. My Spanish at one point was really good. I've worked abroad in Sweden at one point and got decent at Swedish. Not great. But I realized when I learned these different languages, Kevin, something was happening in my brain. I was seeing things from a different vantage point, even the just you just show up differently. So the nerd in me just wants to know, what did you learn about yourself, life in general, speaking these different languages?
1: My love of learning and curiosity is at my core because being able to learn another language, you have to be curious and you also have to be willing to fail because you're not going to be good at first. And so I had to go back to when I was learning a sports skill, right? Let's even go all the way back when you're learning how to walk as a child, you failed a lot, but it's your willingness to persist to keep chasing mastery, to get better at something, right? So that whole idea of beginner's mind and openness and eagerness to learn and to get better at something. And so that's what I really think I learned from this was that first, but then I learned to have empathy for others and different cultures and understanding that everyone's got a story to tell and everyone has a different approach to it. But humanity is humanity is humanity. No matter where I go, but knowing languages made me approachable to people because I was curious about their language. I wasn't being an ugly American, right? That term that you go to another country and it's like, where's my stuff? The stuff I like? Because I ain't trying none of this stuff. We're my Mickey D's, right? We're my, we're my Dunkin' Donuts. We're, no, that's not here. You need to learn how to be flexible and open to other cultures. And in doing so, what it allowed me to do was to connect with humanity no matter where I was and to see the humanity in every place I went and to discover that we have a lot more in common than what we think is not in common, our differences. And I think that's what I've always been curious about is how do I find ways to lessen the degrees of separation between us, our differences, and find what we have in common and build from there.
0: Oh, that's beautiful, and I think it's a beautiful way to end it. But my brain, as silly as it is, is just thinking about those moments when you just caught somebody off guard. Oh, my gosh. Because they didn't know this brother's only language.
1: Leave leave your listeners with this cliffhanger. I was asked by my coach to cuss out Vlade Divas in the middle of an NBA basketball game in Serbian to distract him so that he wouldn't have such a good game and we wouldn't have to use up our timeouts. Oh, that's perfect. And that opened up a whole other part of my journey. But I've been in Chicago, New Orleans, whatever, and I see your last name. I can recognize Slavic last names. And then I'll ask, where are you from? And they always go, oh, well, you wouldn't know. It's, da, 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 it's Montenegro. I go, dobardan to Or I go, Lepotica. If I say Lepotica, they blush. Women will blush instantly. Because it's the most endearing word you can say in Serbian or Croatian, right, or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'd be in elevators and hotels and staff or whatever would be speaking, like, I'll listen and I'll leave and walk off and the door closes. You see their face like, what just happened? Yes. I've been the novelty in hotels because people would talk about me on the staff that might be all Slavic. There's this black guy in room whatever, and he speaks our language. So I get little knocks on the door. Are you the one? Right, And they'll start conversing with me and they just get tickled because they don't expect an American, let alone a black American. Speak their language because they you don't care. That's their assumption. You don't care, and so we need to start debunking that more. I think we've got such an opportunity to debunk that, right? That we are global citizens and we want to be global citizens, and so why don't we strive for that? That's my drop moment. Boom,
0: boom, one hundred percent. I love it. This has been a fun conversation for me. I can't thank you enough for coming on. In the show notes, I'm going to have the location where everyone can learn more about you more about your books etc once I, I appreciate you thank you for firing me up for encouraging me even before you even knew me and we're definitely going to do round two i love it i love it. antonio be well godspeed man Thanks for listening to the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.